I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. Welcome to episode 19. The last time that I came to you, I was here with my mother, and it honestly seems like a lifetime ago. I feel like there's a world between me and that time. After I recorded that episode, I was just hit with a whirlwind of life experience that really, really kicked my ass. Two weeks after I recorded episode 18, my grandfather passed away, who was actually my father's mother, and he was the only one in my immediate family who shared my faith, and we converted actually to Islam at the same time. So, I mean, it absolutely devastated me, and a lot of that morning just left me feeling very, very empty, and so then, what do I think to do? I'm like, you know, you should run away. So, I book a ticket to the Middle East, I go to Beirut, and I'm expecting to relax, going to see a friend from college, going to see one of my closest friends and thinking to myself you know this will be a time when you can really just revel in distance take some time away from these things that are ailing you to just rest my mind and rest my body because I felt like I had been so tapped out between the mourning of my grandfather and a feeling of heartbrokenness after a relationship bygone plus just the year taking a toll on me business ventures that had come to an impasse that were not going well for me all of these things that felt like they were draining me so I get thousands and thousands of miles away from home and you know obviously what you run from you run into and so when I get there I'm expecting to find solace in seeing a friend I hadn't seen in a long time only to find that not only was she emotionally unavailable and very much distant from me but she was expecting me to pour into her issues to be the shoulder to lean on to be a vessel for the things that she was going through mourning her old self and it became almost the first few days I was there like Ask Viv International Edition giving a shoulder to lean on and opening up my heart to her just because that has always been my natural course of action and it left me feeling even more drained so she left for a period of time out of the country and I was there pretty much by myself with a friend and I came to this realization and this realization may be the thing that I look back on in 20 years to say that was the trip that saved my life why why did I come all the way over here why did I pour out all of this money and all of this time just to feel emptied again and I realized it's because so many times I had given myself away given myself to these experiences given myself to people given myself to jobs and then left myself with none of myself to lean on none of myself to fill me up none of my myself to fulfill the things that I really needed to be doing and the dreams that I really needed to be focused on. I poured and poured into others hoping that they would change or at least hoping that they would see that there was something killing me, seeing that I was fighting for every little thing I had in life and giving every little thing I had in life away to them and calling that love, hoping that it would breed some semblance of understanding, hoping that it would breed some semblance of reciprocity. And I came up short every single time. And I called myself a martyr or I thought that I was better for it. And I thought if I could just 
for once in my life give 100% of myself to myself, what would that mean for my emotional well-being? What would that mean for my dreams? What would that mean for my true desires? And it contextualized this trip, the entire rest of everything that was going on in my life. And if you're thinking, hmm, is that me? And you come to the same impasse that I've been standing at for the last few months, then just ask yourself one simple question. Who gets the best of me? Is it me? Who, when they walk out of my life, can take me with them? Is there anyone that I've poured so much into? Is there any job that I've poured so much into? Is there anything outside of myself that I've poured so much into that if it left me, it could take me with it? Because I could name so many things, so many men that I poured myself and my body into and it felt like when they walked out the door they took a part of me with them so many friendships that I put so much of my self-esteem into so much of my need for validation into that when it broke I felt broken so many jobs that didn't pan out so many dreams that I thought were for me and ended up not being for me and it felt like I had lost my complete sense of self and I'm not a victim because I gave myself away I gave myself away so many different times dedicated myself so many different times and thought I was better for it and if you do the same thing then it's very simple you're not I was not. If I thought back far, far, far back, I'm like, where, where did I learn this behavior of giving myself away because I felt like I had no control over myself, but I thought that if I could just try to make a miracle out of other people and repair other people and save other people and make homes out of other people, then I wouldn't have to worry about the life that I was building for myself because those people would love me enough to return the favor. And that never happened. I think that that behavior started with my mother, started in my adolescent years with seeing my mother down and out and being like, well, maybe I should work one job and then another job. Well, maybe I should bring home straight A's. Well, maybe I should get a full ride to school. And if I give my life to these things, then eventually I'll be able to save my mother. And I thought about when my mother got married two years ago, how much it had devastated me because I felt like I had lost a sense of purpose in the world. And I mourned for myself so much because I said, what am I supposed to do now if I can't give my life and tell myself that it's all about helping my mother? And I think about all of these relationships that I gave myself to, men that I wanted to make miracles out of, people that I wanted to save. And I just thought to myself, well, just give more of Bianca, give more of myself. And all of a sudden, I was left with so little of myself, looking around like, where did I go? And every single time that I had hit this wall of this emptiness, rather than addressing the root cause of it. Instead, I tried to fill myself up with things that were feelings of temporary satisfaction and pleasure. I ate my way out of a lot of my feelings, and I know I'm not the only one that does that. Shopped my way out of a lot of my feelings, and I know I'm not the only one that does that. And some of you have a vice, whether it's smoking, whether it's sex, whether it's just full-on dissociation from your own lives. You take whatever avenue out of that emptiness, rather than just dedicating yourself to yourself. And when I thought about doing this episode, I so wanted to do it on success because so many of you all look at what I have or what I've done. And if I've done anything successfully, if I ever reached or executed a goal successfully, if I ever 
saw through creative project or a personal triumph. It was because I gave 100% of myself to myself. And I feel like I'm not at the beginning of this journey as much as I'm rededicating myself to that process. But a lot of you have never given 100% of yourself to anything that you've ever truly wanted. And you have those feelings of martyrdom thinking, why am I overlooked? Why am I under love? Why am I not seen in the way that I should be seen? Where's the credit? And you're thinking, I can't see these projects through. And it's not because you don't have enough. And it's not because you're being overlooked or because you're underloved. It's because it starts with you. And you're trying to find a way out of that personal responsibility over your own actions. And you're trying to have somebody else do that work for you. And you're trying to have somebody else build that home for you, lose that weight for you, undo that damage for you but it starts and it ends with you and I know because I'm telling you time and time again I've been here we give 99% of ourselves to things that are not ourselves we give 80% of our money to things that will never come back to ourselves we give 80% of our time things that don't serve ourselves directly We give 80% of our love to other people, and that's what we call it. We call it love, but it's really just escapism. What could happen if you gave 100% of yourself to yourself? I realized that the more that I started dedicating myself to my own life, the more that the people around me started calling me self-centered, calling me selfish, and it's because those people, the relationship that we had, was reliant upon me giving myself away to them. And I was justifying it and I was calling that friendship. I was giving my body away and calling it love. I was giving my time away and calling it altruism. I was giving my ideas away and calling it charity. I was giving my spirit away and calling it virtue. And it was none of those things. What it was, was fear disguising itself as generosity. What it was was low self-esteem, describing itself as friendship. What it was was insecurity, disguising itself as romance. And I didn't want to deal with any of that shit. And so I lied to myself constantly. And I said, as long as you're giving yourself away, you're bound to come up with something. And I was even using the tools in my mind that I had built, that I had always relied on for self-esteem and using those to justify those actions. I was saying, well, if you give all of your money to your family, something in Islam says that this is what is good, what is virtuous. I was running scared and it was a disguise. And it took me running literally three continents over to run into myself and say, you know what? January 15th, 2019, I think I'm through with this. I said, I think that I'm gonna wake up in a bed big enough to love myself. I said, I think I'm gonna give myself 110% of myself and see who sticks around to watch. I think that for the first time, I'm gonna give my dreams the energy that they're due. I think for the first time, I'm gonna give my body the attention that it's due and I'm going to stop relying on the people around me to see me for what I've always known I could see myself to be if I just tried a little bit harder. I can't pretend that I'm a victim because at the same time, what I liked 
was that when other people failed me, then I could put it on them. Every single time that I gave love to somebody that didn't deserve it, every single time that I gave for the wrong reasons, every single person that walked out on me took a piece of me with them and that was my fault because that was my decision. And it was something I was too afraid to admit because something in me is smarter than that and I hated knowing it. And I know that there's somebody out there and you're thinking, why do I get overlooked? Giving your ideas to a job that doesn't give a damn whether you came in tomorrow or not. Why do I get overlooked? Giving your love to a romance of somebody who is not the person that you need them to be and you know it in your heart of hearts. Why do I get overlooked? Giving yourself to friendships for people who have never understood you beyond the vanities of friendship. It's because you overlooked yourself. It's because you underestimated yourself. People look to me and they say, B, you're so much in your own lane. And they don't understand that the worst thing about being in your own lane is that you are almost always the person in your own way. The thing is, is that I don't wake up and report to a boss. The thing is, I'm not married. I don't belong to any clique or group of friends that we meet up every day or we have group chats. I'm out in this world completely on my own. And yet I was looking at so many different avenues of my life thinking, why are you falling short if it's all up to you? And that's because I didn't want to do the work of belonging to myself. The worst thing to admit is actually freedom is the hardest and most painful thing. And yes, while it's cool to sign your name on checks that have your own company's name on it, at the end of the day, nobody wants to talk about how freedom is so hard. It's so hard to just dedicate 100% of yourself to yourself. What if it was just up to somebody else because I'm scared that if it's up to me that I will fail? Because I am scared that I am not as smart as I'm pretending to be because I'm scared that I am not as capable as people perceive me to be, because I am scared that I am not as beautiful as all of these comments are saying I am. What if my life was a product of only what I believed about myself, did for myself, showed up for myself, how much I loved myself, instead of an accumulation of consequences of my relationships with other people? What would my life look like? And at one point, it seemed like the scariest thing in the world. But let me tell you, something clicked in the last six weeks and now for me, it's the only option. I feel like when my grandfather passed that he took a part of me with him. But that too has been a blessing because whatever that part was that so desperately needed to give my life to somebody else and whatever that fear was that felt that I was so incapable of just having my own, that's dead. And if you have that thing inside of you, that voice that says that you're better off in the hands of somebody else, that your dreams are better off in the hands of somebody else, that your self-esteem is better off in the hands of somebody else, then I very, very much suggest that you kill that thing too. And that's my thoughts for this week. With that being said, let's get Get into the first questions of the new year because I know that's your favorite part. Dear Viv, how do you afford to live on your own in Manhattan without a full-time salary job? I see you're doing so much work, but usually freelancing, consulting, and even just being an artist don't pay the bills without a side gig. This is a question that I get so much. So let me tell you all the full story of how I came to survive off of working for myself. Six months before I graduated, I made a decision that I wanted to go into consulting 
because I had tried all of these other jobs. First, I was working on Wall Street. I had been in public radio broadcasting. I had even tried returning to news. I was auditioning for NBC and CBS and CNN, thinking I wanted to be an anchor, which is a really low paying, highly technical, unrewarding, a lot of the times just very intellectually dishonest, pandering, sensationalized job that I really realized I did not want when I was all up in it. So I said, I'm gonna be a consultant. Consulting, you need eight to 10 years of experience in the industry that you have a Rolodex of solid contacts and some real business acumen, which I feel like I definitely amassed during my time in Wall Street. So I take my big bag of skills and I say start a company, get myself a little website, get some business cards, start thinking what kind of projects that I would work on, the kind of artists that I would want to take on. And the first few months sucked. Let me just say that. The first few months, I had no idea how I was going to pay my rent and I was doing these quote unquote side gigs. I was drywalling apartments and I was writing final summer papers for college kids for $400. I was doing whatever I could. Luckily, I'm a hustler, so that was in my nature. Hustling was hustling. So I remember coming to this impasse where I said, you're either gonna throw yourself into this 100% or you're going to back out completely because I came to this point said to myself you need to get a part-time job because you're not going to be able to live like this and so I started filling out jobs for secretaries at law firms because I had done a bunch of secretarial work in college I remember the distinct moment that I went all in on this consulting thing and that was I had an interview a position at Glossier as a showroom editor which is really just a euphemism for sales associate so the day that I had this interview which I said oh this is perfect because I could work part-time 15 to 20 hours a week make a little bit of money and then still dedicate myself fully to my consultancy which obviously that's a lie because anytime that you can convince yourself that you can fully dedicate yourself to two things it's usually you being completely unrealistic with the time that you need to live to socialize eat to think to work even the full spirit of creativity that's necessary to really throw yourself 100 into something is usually dampered by you being simultaneously dedicated to something that is hampering your spirit so that was a lie that I told myself the day before I have the interview at the Glossier showroom someone calls me and says hey Bianca I think that I have a client that could use your business for your consultancy can you be in California tomorrow so what do you think I did do you think that I a said no I have an interview at the Glossier showroom to sell facial washes and BB creams or do you think that I spent my last $500 on a trip back home to California? It was definitely B. I was in California the next day and I would do it again and again and again. I was like, choose something out of fear or choose something out of fate. Things that are for you can't be kept from you unless you step in your own way. And that was me throwing myself completely into destiny and from that one contact I made my next three clients and so let me say from there about being full-time and salaried one I do do this full-time I wake up every day from nine o'clock to six o'clock 
I don't answer phone calls after 6 o'clock, except for for very special clientele. I don't answer emails after 6 o'clock. I very much work a 9 to 5 at my consultancy, and I charge by retainer, meaning that I keep my clients on a recurring fee, and I never charge less than what I need to live, meaning that I will always make rent because I charge at least $2,500 a month per client. So if I have four or five clients in a month, I'm having a very good month. But even if I have one client in a month, that means that I have my rent, which is $1,350 plus basically next month's rent too, or $1,200 spending money, which I try to rededicate at least half of that to my business or other business ventures and the other half to living a comfortable life. I am a single woman with no kids who pays $13.50 in rent for a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. I'm really just getting by, maybe at any given moment doing a little bit more than just getting by. I don't know how people live with the whole throws shit at the wall and see what sticks model. I think that a lot of our generation, when it comes to things like freelancing, sure, you're charging, what, $300 for an essay? I mean, the Times, the first time that the Times paid me, they paid me $150 for an essay. And if that's the upper echelon of journalism, I mean, I know some people, they write for Teen Vogue or whatever, they get $1,000 an article, and that's good money. But that's so inconsistent, and I find that a lot of people are living like this, and so of course your back is going to be against the wall every single month. But my basic point is I don't do anything on accident and I'm not doing anything haphazardly. So even when the month before the month is up, I know where my next month rent is coming from and I don't charge people less than what I need to live. My base fee for any client is $2,500 a month and that is for basic, basic services. I mean, emails, basic web development, basic, basic consulting. If you're asking me something crazy, like I want to be reviewed in the New York Times or I want an op-ed in a major your newspaper, I'm charging you at least $10,000 for that project because that's the ad value equivalency of whatever you're asking for. And I learned this from other professionals who basically told me if you get your restaurant reviewed in the New York Times, that's going to bring in at least at least another $50,000 worth of business over the course of a year, likely more. So what? why would I charge you $1,000 for something that's going to be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars more for business for yourself. That doesn't really make any sense, right? So I charge what I need to live and I'm very, very dedicated to only taking projects that I want because every time that I've lowered my fee, I've regretted it. I really thank God now for a time that seems so pointless working in Wall Street, working all these random ass jobs that really just taught me business acumen. But yeah, I make enough to live just off of my business. And I hope that if that's your aspiration to work for yourself, that you definitely learn to do that too. Dear Viv, I'm in a wonderful place in my life. I found my purpose in this world, and I'm sure you know there's no better feeling than knowing and finding your purpose. But with all this success has brought relationship problems. The people in my life don't and won't even try to understand the new phase of my life I'm entering. It's starting to feel like I'm not supported. So my question for you is how or when do you know it's time to walk away from relationships and friendships? I walk away from any friendship that I feel like the requirement to keep the friendship going is that I remain the same person. I'm somebody that's constantly changing and constantly evolving, and I find that my friends are so different from one another, from one friend to the next, meaning that if you put all of them in the same room, 
you wouldn't know that they were all there together because they were all friends with the same person. But the one thing that remains completely consistent among the friends that I have is that I feel like I can change and like there will still be love there. And the friends that I've kept for eight, 10 years are the people that allow me to be whoever it is I need and want to be at any given moment. And the thing is, is that you let these friendships go. And I'm very explicit about letting friendships go. I used to be that person that would say, oh, let me just let this fade away. No, I'm very explicit now about telling people, I think that this has reached an unhealthy point. There's no way that we can be supportive of each other in the necessary ways we need to anymore. So I don't think that we should be friends anymore. And for me, it's honestly just risk management at that point because I don't really like people watching my Instagram stories or, you know, secretly talking about me to other people that we know. I have to make pretty explicit that we're not friends because I don't like the residual evil eye and confusion that comes with not knowing if we're friends or not. But the reason that you have to end those relationships is because you realize that once you become another person, that the friendship is already over because that person still thinks that they're friends with a you that you are no longer. I had a friend that when we were done being friends, she was like, you're not fun anymore. You're so negative. You don't like to go to the club. You don't want to you don't want to drink. You don't want to talk about men in the way that we used to. And I was like, damn, you're right. And she had said it as a pejorative. But for me, it was really just a fact of the matter that really needed addressing, which was that we were not friends anymore, that there was no healthy way that our, our friendship could continue. And there was no need to judge it or feel a type of way because I could honor the fact that when we were friends, there was laughter, there was support, time to be spent and memories to be had and love to be given. But I had become a different person and the person that I was could not be friends with her anymore. You find that this is in relationships too. It's why after a very long time, you look back at people that you've dated and you think, how could I ever date somebody like that? And it's because you've changed. It's because the person that you were is not suited to that person. And you know, you give people the room to change as well. When we give ourselves permission to be ourselves, by consequence, we open up room for other people to be themselves. And the only thing that you can do with those relationships is hope that those people find purpose and hope that those people find happiness. But once you end the relationship, you free yourself from the consequences of it. Some men become good men and some men just become old men. When you leave somebody behind, you hope that they find purpose. You hope that they find love. You hope that they find success, but you free yourself from the consequences consequences of that person's destiny because once you sever that tie it's really none of your business your business is to be your best self and protect your happiness and protect your purpose with 100% of the things in you do not allow anyone who walks out the doors of your life take you with them there is love good love to be had until there is not and the point is to love people fully, generously with everything you have in them for as long as fully possible and to know that when it's time to let it go, that what you so desperately need to do urgently, quickly, smoothly, clean cut is to let it go. How long will you mourn for things that are not yours anymore? How long will you cry over things that are so obviously over? That's wasted time and that time could be spent bettering yourself reveling in the happiness that you've built for yourself, pursuing new and better relationships. 
we cling especially this generation where you can see the people that you've left behind every single day on a social network know exactly what they're doing with their lives and where they've gone whatever happiness you found whatever sense of purpose you found i guarantee it will quickly dissipate the more people that you try to drag on behind you that don't actually have your best interest in mind the more they will make sure they drain it and take it and the only thing you can control is whether or not you give it away Dear Viv, I keep feeling that with the resources I have, there is no way to execute my ideas and passions. What advice do you have to overcome those boundaries? From a professional perspective, let me just give you a very recent example. I had somebody, a potential client, meet with me and he told me that he wanted to produce a documentary and that the budget for the documentary was a million dollars which is very high for a documentary of the style that he was trying to produce. And when I'm like, why is this such a high budget? He tells me it's because he had, he was a banker, invested in a bunch of films prior that had not made his money back and they did not produce the critical acclaim that he wanted to amass. And so instead of thinking maybe I should get better quality ideas, and go back to the basics, he instead, being a banker, not an artist, said, let me actually throw a million dollars at a film that is completely my idea and see what happens with it. This is what happens when people have too many resources and not enough good ideas. For me, my ultimate goal, to be quite honest, and this is now what I'm working so hard towards, is a television show. I've always wanted a television show. I so do want to be the voice of this generation for you all to see my face and do graphics and skits. And, and I started with a podcast because I know I don't have a set and I don't have a studio and I don't have a live audience and I don't have my two designer couches and I don't have post-production team, editors, cameramen, but I, I do have a voice. I have a good idea. I did have an iPhone and I have a platform, which was Instagram and Twitter. And I took the things that I knew I had and I said, if I could just use my voice and this microphone and a silent room, then I think we could make something shake. What you have is enough. What if I told you that? And the thing is, is that now that I'm trying to produce a new idea, I've come to this impasse where I'm like, damn, now I really do need a studio. I really do need money for a cameraman. And so now the money is going to come. Now I'm at a point of amassing capital to do a new idea. But if I hadn't done this first, if I hadn't gone through the blocks of trying to make Ask Viv consistent with just this microphone and my voice and my time. And funny thing is, it's so hard to even be consistent with a podcast. That is, I'm the only producer, only editor, only personality, only anything, and it's still hard to put it out consistently just because of life shit. And having to dedicate myself to this podcast has been a test for me to see if I have the bandwidth to do something as big as a television show. But if somebody had told me, here Bianca, here's $40,000 for a web series, two years ago, I would have fucked it off on just the wardrobe. I can guarantee that. The resources that you have are enough. Dedicate yourself to the idea. If Artists could understand that what you have is always enough because what you have, and as cheesy as it sounds, comes from within first and foremost. What you have starts with you because too many people, they have these massive budgets. It's really, really, you can see just from this influencer culture, people who are given massive budgets that just don't have the ideas. 
I mean, look at look at Virgil Abloh's last Louis Vuitton collection. This is a man who had the budget of the most major fashion house in the world, and the ideas are just not there. If the ideas aren't there, then there's no amount of money that can make it happen. And if the ideas are there, then there's no amount of money that can stop it from happening. That is all the time that we have for questions. I just want you all to take a moment to think about the next 11 months, this stretch and span of time that you have in front of you and think about what that 11 months would look like, what 11 months of internal work. And I'm not talking about a feeling because feelings fade, they fleet, they go, they come. I'm talking about a commitment, committing yourself to yourself foremost. What would your relationships look like? What would your bank account look like? What would your job look like if it was just up to you? And maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever taken that leap of faith in yourself. And maybe for some of you, it's not the first time, but this is the first time you've ever gone all the way with it. This is the first time I've ever said me first. This is the first time that I've ever decided that something that I thought was a fundamental cornerstone of my personality, Bianca, self-sacrificing. For the first time, I'm trading in self-sacrifice for sacrificing everything to save myself. And those are two fundamentally different parts of the spectrum because I was tired of giving myself away and at the end of the day, not having the love that I knew I deserved. At the end of the day, not getting the credit that I knew I deserved for my talent. At the end of the day, not having the money that I knew that I deserved for the work that I was doing. And it took me just saying, no longer, no more, and everything already feels different two weeks out of that process. So I can't even imagine what 11 months would look like. And I encourage you to do that and not just for yourself. It's not about self-centeredness. It's not about self-absorption or selfishness or vengeance or victimhood. It's about knowing that the best self that I have for myself is the best self I could give. How much more genuine the generosity that you give would be. How much more deep the love that you give others would be because it emanates from within, not from a fear of going without. That's my desire for each and every one of us for 2019. And I'm gonna hold myself to it. And I hope that when I come back in six months time, when we're on episode 50 of this show that we remember this time where we took this moment of rededicating ourselves to ourselves how much freedom was just amassed in that moment of saying I belong to me and nobody owes me but nobody owns me either I so love each and every one of you and I so need each and every one of you to survive if nobody else got you I got you and I thank you for listening and I'm hopeful and I'm faithful for the days that we have ahead of us more life more love. I'm Bianca Vivion, and if you ever need anything at all, you can always ask Viv. Now that you're out of my life, I'm so much better.